Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. When we ask God to save us, are we actually looking for His help or something we've predetermined? As we celebrate Palm Sunday, we will discover what it really means to ask God for help and how it plays out in our lives. So today is uh, Palm Sunday, the, the Sunday before Easter. And uh, we in the church call this week Holy Week, very simply because we celebrate the week on which the world turns, the week where Jesus was able to accomplish something amazing. And so we go through this week intentionally every single year to walk alongside Jesus' journey. We do this every year. And it's, it's sort of interesting. For me personally, I've been in the church for a very long time. And you think to yourself, you know, after 32 years of doing the same thing every Holy Week, you'd think it would get old. But I have found that God teaches me something new each and every year through the sacrifice of his son and through the amazing victory of his resurrection. And today is, is a very interesting one, especially the, the celebration today is, is different than what lies at the end of the week, because this week, Palm Sunday, is just, it's interesting. It's interesting because we know what's going to happen. Everything seems so great today. But like life, things seem to go south. You know, when things go south, you and I live in a world where we think we can fix things, right? I mean, let's be honest. Have any of you ever consulted YouTube to fix anything around your house? <laughs> right? We live in a world that if you get the know-how, or if you gain the right experience, or if you get the tools, or you get the ability, we can fix it, right? I mean, you think about back in, the, back in the, the space race. That was one of the main things that they, they championed. It's like, we will get to the moon first, right? We can do anything. <clears throat> you and I have countless numbers of books and <sighs> science and, well, just technology at our disposal to fix the things that we break, right? Because we do all break things, right? Has anybody never not broken something in their life, right? Everybody does. So we've come up with all kinds of ways to fix the things that plague us, right? And we can do it, right? I mean, after all... <laughs> We came up with the idea of mandating car insurance because we still get in accidents, right? That's a good fix, right? Is it? You're not fixing it yourself. You're having somebody else fix it, right? Or let's be honest. We have this optimism every November. We're going to fix the government this time, 
Smile and nod. <laughs> when we're tired, we have energy drinks and coffee to give us energy. But if you actually read the science behind it, it's actually just using the energy you have stored up, not actually giving you energy, right? We have technology that has made our lives simpler. Or not. How many of us look at our phones far more than we ever used to look at anything else in the world? We have people who sell books that give you 10 steps to understand the meaning of life. And then usually you see those folks go to jail for something. <laughs> not all of them. I understand that. The reality is we live in a society that gives us the message that we can fix everything. But the reality of it is, is that when you finally hit rock bottom in, in, in a place in your life, you come to the realization that we as humans have limitations. For example, don't ask me to come build something for you. I know my limitation. You want me to make something for your house? I will put something together that will not look like anything you want in your house. There will also be much weeping and gnashing of teeth during the process of the final thing. But we have limitations of what you and I can fix. Every husband understands that Whenever we get into an argument and we said something we shouldn't do, the concept of digging a hole. I can fix this! Dig hole. I'm digging a bigger hole. <laughs> the reality of it is that you and I need to look beyond ourselves for some fixes. We can't fix everything ourselves. Period. And the question is, who do you turn to or what do you turn to for fixes? Do you turn to, you know, YouTube? Do we turn to books? Do we turn to a, 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 an idealism? Do we turn to whatever it is that we turn to? We normally turn to things that we agree with, that we think will fix the problem, right? But if we need a fix outside of ourselves, do you think we'll be right about the fix? That's really what Palm Sunday is about. Palm Sunday is this great celebration of the people of God who have been oppressed by a, a government, a Roman government, where their power was taken from them. And they have been waiting. They have been waiting for this person called the Messiah to come in and take out the powers that oppress them. And they have this assumption, this expectation of how the Messiah is going to fix everything. The Messiah is going to fix things like what they've always encountered. Come in on a stallion ready to take, them, take down that government by force. And give the power of the world back to the people of God. See, their fix was an expectation of conflict and violence. 
And Palm Sunday catches this tension between people who know, know, I put that in quotes, know what the fix is and what the real fix is. And as Jesus comes down that road, they proclaim him Lord. And yet those same people who would proclaim him Lord today would be the same people who would shout crucify him on Friday. Palm Sunday is this day of tension because we have this exaltation, this great thing to celebrate, but only with the knowledge that Jesus would die in a few days. Let's read together the Palm Sunday count, account in Mark. Mark chapter 11, beginning with verse 1 through verse 11. Here's what we read. When Jesus and his followers approached Jerusalem, they came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. Jesus gave two disciples a task, saying to them, go into the village over there, and as soon as you enter it, you will find tied up there on a, you will find tied up there a colt that no one has ridden. You untie it and bring it here. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, its master needs it. And he will send it back right away. They went and found a colt tied to a gate outside on the street. And they untied it. Some people standing around said, what are you doing untying the colt? They told him just what Jesus said. And they left them alone. They brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes upon it, and he sat on it. And many people spread out their clothes on the road, while others spread branches cut from the fields. Those in front of him and those following were shouting, Hosanna! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And after he looked around at everything, because it was already late in the evening, he returned to Bethany with the twelve. Now, to you and me, there's a lot of things that we don't fully understand what happens here. There's a lot of symbolism that doesn't really translate to our life. The only thing that we know is that we like parades, right? We only celebrate parades for things that we really want to celebrate, right? Think about the championship parades and the, the Independence Day parades and the Browns 0 and 16 parade. <laughs> well, there goes that argument. Uh, <laughs> We understand that, but there's all kinds of things that, these peop that, that people do in this moment that, that, that has meaning. So let me share with you a few of these things that, that gives greater meaning to this account, okay? First of all, Jesus comes in from the Mount of Olives. And you might think, oh, so did he, uh, he get some olives on his way? No, that's not, <laughs> that's not the important part about this. The important part is that in Scripture, in the Old Testament, they foretold of the Messiah coming into Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. 
So there is this concept that they're saying, this is the guy. This is the guy who's come to, to, to overthrow Rome, to give us a revolution. This, this fits with the scriptures that we've read before. And then he goes. Jesus comes in in this procession. Everybody is, is, is celebrating. And then Jesus goes to the temple. And this is another thing that has meaning, okay? When, when leaders would take over a city or an area, they would go straight to the city center where the temple was, and they would offer sacrifices to whatever god they believed in. So if a Roman came into town and took over the town, they would go straight to the temple and they would offer sacrifices to the Roman gods, the Greeks, the Greek gods, the Babylons, the Babylonian gods. So Jesus does what all the other leaders have done. He goes straight to the temple. Everybody's thinking, oh, this is it. This is the guy. Hosanna, save us. That's what Hosanna means, by the way, if I didn't say that earlier. Hosanna simply means save us. But then as we begin to look at some of the circumstances of Jesus in particular, we find some things that are a little off here. First of all, Jesus comes in on a colt. Some of the accounts say donkey. Either way, this is a young, immature Horse or donkey. Now, this is sort of significant because when leaders came in conquering, they would bring in battalions and they would sit on mighty horses, stallions, well-trained for war. This is a young, meager colt. So something's a little different. This is not like other revolutionaries we've seen in the past. And then, as far as what Jesus wore, he just wore his normal clothes. And he sat upon the, the clothing of his disciples on the colt. Jesus didn't have royal robes. He didn't have, like, this... He didn't have these banners that proclaimed who he was like so many leaders. This is far more humble than any other leader before. And then, when he does get to the temple, we find out that the temple is empty. And Jesus doesn't offer sacrifices in the temple. He just finds it empty. Now, we're given this very rational understanding. It was the time of day. Nobody was there. But actually, it's a little bit, there's a little bit more to that. See, the empty temple is a symbol of the concept that what was happening at the temp temple were just empty gestures. The sacrifices that people did religiously were not bringing people closer to God. It was just a hoop to jump through to worship God. See, all of a sudden, this parade has all of this meaning. And people around Jesus celebrate Jesus, but all for the thing that they did not expect. 
Even, even they gave their jackets to Jesus. They would place it on the road. And, and i got to tell you something. Oh. It's okay. Sounds like a very important report or something. I don't know what's going on. But people, whenever, when people in the, in the ancient world would give you a jacket, give you a coat of sorts, that coat, that means that you are trusting that person with your well-being. Because a coat did so many things. A coat would, would, would actually mean life or death in the desert. A coat could give you shade whenever the sun was beating down on you in the hottest parts of the day. It also would save you at night whenever the sun would be away and the desert would get very, very cold. So for somebody to give a coat, to place it down in front of Jesus, is they're saying, hey, we trust that you are the Messiah. Save us. Do what we expect you to do. Of course, when you say save us, you're looking to outside of yourself that they might know what to do better than you. But these people were really saying, Hosanna, do what we think you're here to do. Come in, take over Rome. Give the power back to us. Make Israel great again. That's, that's exactly what this is. It is a transition of power that they are expecting. And that's why they say, hey, blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. David built a great kingdom. He built the temple. He brought them into great economic stature. They took over people here and there and everywhere. That's what they were looking for. They were looking for David's kingdom. But if you have ever read anything about David, you know that David was a murderer and an adulterer and a terrible father. Terrible. They're saying, we know the fix. Give us this fix. And when Jesus in a few days does not, those same people saying, Hosanna, yell, crucify him. This exaltation on Palm Sunday, this celebration... Is fake. Because they don't actually mean Hosanna when they shout Hosanna. They say, do what we expect you to do. Now, the real procession, the real procession of Jesus into Jerusalem comes on Thursday evening when he is arrested at the same mount outside of the city. And he is put in chains. And he is led to the high priest where he would have a false trial. Where they would mock him. Where they would spit on him. And where he would be sentenced to death. The real procession of Jesus into Jerusalem is not today. It's a few days from now. 
And all of a sudden, all the things that Jesus had said throughout his ministry that we have talked about over the past few weeks of the upside down life begins to make sense. Whenever he says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, those who love their life will lose it. All of a sudden, all of it makes sense. Because Jesus is processing into Jerusalem as a criminal. He could save himself or do whatever he wanted, but he didn't. Because he knew that he had to do this to actually provide the fix that is needed in the world. It's not the overthrow of an oppressive government. It's the defeat of the enemy of every Jew and of every Roman and of every person on this world. The enemy of all of us is sin and death. And so when Jesus goes into Jerusalem on Thursday night, he is looking to provide the fix for the entire world, not just for the Jews. For you and I, we still do this. We still shout Hosanna to God all the time, but we have in the back of our minds an idea of what God needs to do to save us. We come to God and we say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Lord, would you help me let go of this? God, would you work in me a brand new life? But can I keep this? <laughs> can I keep this thing that I've always done that it's really not that bad, but... I can't tell you how many people in the world say they believe in Jesus, but they ignore so much of what Jesus says. Yeah, I believe in Jesus. I love Jesus. But when Jesus says that we cannot serve both God and money, let me keep my money. I believe in Jesus, but my main goal is still to make as much money as possible in my life. That's exactly what these folks did on Palm Sunday. I mean, think about this. Jesus had so much to say about how our lives should be shaped, how our lives should look when he saves us. When he saves us and we begin to walk in him in his way and denying ourselves he has so many ways for us to live that we just so often ignore. Why is porn such a problem in the church? Probably because most people ignore the moment when Jesus tells the woman who is caught in adultery to leave her life of sin. Eh, it's not that big of a deal. I'm not sleeping with anybody. We have people in the church who still sleep with people, too. <laughs> You see, when we accept Jesus and we say, hey, save us, 
we need to accept how he's going to save us and change us. It's not receiving the benefits of heaven only to do all the things that lead you to hell. So when Jesus tells us not to be anxious about the stuff that we need in order to live, we need to trust that he's actually going to provide and not do all of we can and work ourselves to death and, and neglect our family and neglect our spouses in such a way because we don't trust God to provide. When Jesus says that he is the way and the truth and the life, we must only follow him, not... Hey, you know, I like what Jesus says, but I also like what this person over here says. And, you know, I'm going to mix the two together. When Jesus says that he is the life, we should not be looking to other things for comfort or identity. And yet I see so many people who believe in Jesus who allow culture, who allow politics, to allow chemicals like, you know, nicotine or, li or liquor or alcohol or anger or unforgiveness. They try to do this whole thing like, yes, Jesus has saved me. Yes, I have not given this up for him. can't do it. You'll straddle a life that is not authentic. You will straddle a life that is not led by God. One last thing. When Jesus says we must love our neighbors, even our enemies... we should probably begin loving our neighbors, even our enemies. So I was sure at the mall the other day. It still, it still makes me cringe. It says, shoot your local heroin dealer. And it kills me. May God have mercy on us if we have ever said anything like that in our lives before. They may be enemies, but we as people of God are asked to love our enemies. To want what's best for them. I think it's really, this is really explained best with our concept of medicine. When you and I get a flu, get the flu, not the stomach flu, that's called norovirus, by the way. I just want you to know this. If you call me and ever say, I can't come, I have the flu, make sure that you're talking about the upper respiratory deal, okay? <laughs> the stomach thing is norovirus. But when we have the flu, the upper respiratory, the, the, the thing that gives us a fever and the pain, the stuffy nose, the cough, the sore throat, right? What we so often do is we want to feel better. Right? And so if we get a stuffy nose, we take a decongestant, right? And it dries it up. 
Uh, if we have a fever, we often like to take an aspirin or an ibuprofen, a fever reducer, and it brings our fever down and it just makes us feel that much better and it takes some of the body pain away, right? But the reality of it is that these medications are treating symptoms and these symptoms actually exist for you, you and I's body to fight it off. You get a fever because your body is trying to kill the virus. And if it raises, if your body raises the temperature, the virus won't be able to live anymore. Now, if you have a very high fever, 103, 104, take some fever reducer because a fever can also kill you. <clears throat> but so often, we take medicine as soon as we're feeling off, as we feel uncomfortable. And what we can end up doing is sometimes stunting our body's ability to actually fight off the thing that's causing it all. In other words, don't medicate to your symptoms. Medicate so that you will be healed. Oppressive government in Jesus' day and age, is not the problem. It's not the disease. Oppressive government comes from sin and death. Oppressive government is a symptom of the disease of sin and death. Jesus wasn't here to give us a dose of aspirin. Jesus came to be the cure for the enemy of every human, sin and death. So if you and I say, Hosanna, if you and I cry out, save us, we better mean it. We better come to Jesus and say, hey, I trust you. Here is my coat. Here is what I I truly believe you want what's best for me. And what you say is what needs to happen in my life. So today I ask this question. Are you looking to Jesus for symptom control? Or are you looking to him to be the cure? To release you from sin and death. To lead a life that is not defined by what you've been or what you've done or what the culture says or what the politicians say or what anything other than God says. You are to be defined by Him. Let Him save you. Let him save you completely. Not just say, oh yeah, Jesus, woo, I feel better about life. And then go back to a deep, dark sin in the corner of our life. To go back into habits that cause us to hate others. Allow God to save you completely.
When we shout Hosanna today, what are you shouting for? A fix that you've predetermined? Or the fix that would cure all of us of what we really need? That would cure us to give us what we really need? Thank you for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you are inspired by this week's message. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. For more information about our ministries, visit us at championnaz.org.